You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com. You know, we've just been through election season, and one of the things you learn during any election season is you spend time talking to candidates, both those that you're for and those that you're against, is you begin to learn a little bit about why people run for office. And there's a whole range of reasons. Some people run for positional power, some because they want to give back to the community and they think it's the right thing to do after taking from the community. There's a whole panoply of reasons. But sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes people get involved in politics and run for office because they really desire to serve the community. Their contribution to the community far exceeds anything that they've taken from it. One such person is our guest today, Joanne Busenbach, who just finished two terms on the Napa Valley College Board of Trustees, but also served on the Napa City Council, the Planning Commission, worked here at the college for over 30 years, and really has been a mainstay of this community for so long. And it is my pleasure to have her here today. Joanne, thanks so much for coming in. Hey, thank you for that grand uh, introduction. Actually, I, I finished 12 years on the board. 12 years? Yeah, three terms. It only seems like eight oh, years, yeah, right? right. Yeah, to you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back a little bit and talk about your initial involvement in the community. When did you decide that you really wanted to, to get involved, to, to make a contribution, to do so much of what you've done? Well, I didn't. I didn't make that decision. When I, when I uh, hired on to my administrative job at Napa College as uh, the associate dean for special services, disabled student services programs and services, there was, uh, there was controversy amongst the community college system uh, in, in the state on an issue of transportation. And many colleges started their own transit system and, you know, to get uh, uh, disabled people who couldn't ride the bus or have other transportation to get back and forth to campus. That didn't make any sense to me. So I went out into the community just to find out what kind of transit was available for disabled people generally. It made more sense to me to tie the college into the rest of the county. And so in doing that, I ran into what I call the super advocate and the person who was a mentor to me in advocacy, and her name was Jan Brown. And she had had polio in the 50s and uh, used a wheelchair, and she had been a strong advocate uh, in Santa Clara County, which is uh, where she lived when she had she had polio. And so she, or, she had organized there, and uh, they were taking on Caltrans at the time. And this is a little side story here. But, and so uh, Caltrans, when they came to the table, they sent their representative, and then Jan was representing the disabled community. Well, it turns out that the representative from Caltrans, a man named Joe Brown. And uh, so Joe and Jan ended up getting married, and they... Uh, Joe was the district, I think it's District 9 in the Bay Area. He was the administrator for Caltrans during the, the, big, earth, during the big earthquake. Uh -huh. But they, they moved here, uh, so he commuted you know, to, to open for his job. So it was my introduction to her that really stimulated. And there were several other, other uh, individuals, one that was in, worked with... Um, um, uh, volunteer current volunteer center then when Christina Cunningham was head of a woman by the name of Cecily Lupovich and then Margaret Lee who you probably right. remember who had polio as well and is, was on the board here for here, at least right. 12 maybe 16 years so we we sort of formed this group of of uh, addressing issues that for example the Jarvis Conservatory, remember mm -hmm, that sure. beforehand, uh, their money laundering and all that went with that. Well, they started a restaurant upstairs. And so th there was accessibility right. issues like that. And the same with the uh, the motel that's out next to uh, in the north end of town out by Ranch Market, its mm -hmm. main access. So that's where it kind of got started. So then, because these things kept happening, we decided somebody needed to get on the planning commission. And um, Cecily had a small child, and everybody else 
used wheelchairs and didn't tr didn't go out at night if they didn't have to. And of course, planning commission meets at night, so I drew the short straw, so to speak. Had I mean, I was never active in high school, had no interest, or college, had no interest. I mean, I was involved in athletics, but, and so um, I got appointed, and I was just totally out of my element. I had no idea. The first packet was, they, the Marriott wanted to expand into what is now the park and ride lot across right. the street. That was the big controversial issue. So... But what happened to me was, you know, being very athletic, I was also very competitive. And suddenly I could see where I could transfer that competitiveness into the, uh, into the political arena and uh, be able to have, an, you know, uh, an effect for disabled community uh, initially was, right. uh, was the interest. And so that's, that's really how it, how it got started. And then through contact with with several people who really were, had been public, spent their life in public service in this community, and that reminded me that you know what you you really are a public servant, appointed or elected, and uh, if you don't look yourself in the mirror once in a while and remind yourself of that and think that you know you're self important, then you know things don't happen the way you want them to happen. So that's my backstory. Talk a little bit about making the transition from the Planning Commission to the City Council and running for office. Yes. That, um, I, I admire anybody who is comfortable stepping into that arena. For me, to run for office, I might as well have been walking down Main Street naked. I mean, it was such exposure, such uh, the reality that you know, if I get elected, these people own a piece of me. I mean, they there there's an expectation. So the the uh, I was approached by a couple of. Uh, uh, I had no no interest in running for council. No idea. Approached by a couple of council members at the time, who asked me to consider running, and uh, and so I I decided okay i mean there was support there and and people to tell me how to do it and you know show up here and this sort of thing so one of the first forums i went to um uh, people were asking questions and somebody said to me oh, th this was the period of time when the college you know i was working full-time at the college, college was considering the relationship with the hotel and a golf course on the back side of the campus and community went ballistic because it was going to drive the Kennedy Park people out to Dry Creek and and so anyway somebody said to me well how how are you going to vote on that and I just I looked at them and said I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to vote what year was this now this was in um 1990 yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so I did the the um Mark Luce had, this when Mark Luce first got involved, and he was running for the Board of Supervisors, and so he was, he was approached to switch over and run for city council, which he did. So he, uh, he won that election, and so I thought, well, that, that's it. I've, you know, just, <laughs> I did not like that experience at all. But, you know, two years later, they, uh, you know, kept pressing, so I did. But, um that that transition is for me it it was a serious responsibility i mean you know i sat there with planning commissioners that were that were as i would put it into them into the what they were doing for themselves right i mean from the the late 80s and into the 90s was the major building boom you know in in the community and so there was hardly a subdivision of that era uh, in this community that doesn't have my thumbprint on it, these are right. planning commissioner. And I'm not proud of all of that, but I mean, those were, uh, I came to the realization that, you know what, my ability to assess and my ability to communicate with, uh, with my fellow uh, members of whatever was the council or the commission uh, and affect what 
what I'm hearing from you know the middle class folks in Napa is a, is positive change. Um, that's what I started, you know, really realizing that this was good. But to, then, to, once you're in the council, the the responsibilities are you know are are vast. If you really just look at it bare bones, and it was frustrating that you know some of my peers uh, didn't see the seriousness of the represent the, the depth of the of the representation. Who else was on the council at that point? Uh, Cindy Water. Right. Uh, I went on right after uh, Arlene Grosella went off, and. The the uh, for the after having run I think three times Harry Martin right. we were elected at the same, same time. time yeah of course Solomon was mayor and I'm drawing a and uh, Brad was there and myself so that's five of us and so it was I mean <laughs> the throwing Harry into the mix I mean I I had been sitting on the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, uh, economic, uh, not economic planning committee, or what right. it is because I'd been on the planning commission. So I went in to a meeting the morning after the election, and they're cheering and clapping. And I said, "What did I win?" You know, because Harry was elected, you know, with me. And so for nine years, uh, I sat next to Harry because nobody else, you know, would uh, would do that. So um, the other thing is that. With an elected body like that, the people who sincerely care about you and what's going on, you pick up very quickly. It's separate from those that are there as a stepping stone right. to something else, as a ne- ego need to look at me, how important I am, and and uh, you know don't try to cut into my piece of the pie on in this area. So. Uh, it's just the dynamics of politics, which I got to really enjoy just because I am so competitive. It was also, uh, you know, Harry made it a much more interesting, <laughs> and I put that in quotes, time, because he was so unpredictable, because he had the newspaper, you never knew what was coming. Well, and then add to that Muriel. I mean, right. Muriel was, when I was on the planning commission, um, you know, she could add a half hour, forty-five minutes to a meeting, and you know, I was obligated to the at the college from eight to five, and uh, so she kept us to one o'clock in the morning. Uh, didn't bother her. So if she did that, then I called her at seven o'clock the next morning right. with some bogus thing just to <laughs> play play the game from both sides. But you know what, Harry and Muriel both brought something that. The community needed, uh, and any community needs. And I was quite shocked when I would go to planning commission conferences. They actually did skits on the Muriel types. Mm-hmm. I mean, communities that right. that had them, and and it it brings the the uh, uh, a lot of misinformation, but at the same time, it brings this this fervent commitment to uh to the community that they love the part of it that they love that you know that uh, you know we don't always get and harry brought harry brought the uh the the marginal facts the emotion over facts the misinformation along with some real challenges that needed you know that uh, that needed to be heard but he uh the analogy, I hadn't thought about it at all until this very moment, but the analogy between Harry and what we're experiencing in national politics right now is profound. It is, absolutely, absolutely. It's just... The misinformation, the, the, the way in which misinformation often went unchallenged and it would become fact even yeah. when it wasn't. Well, now, you know, Harry's gone, and uh, uh, so I can I feel like okay with talking about some of this but the and I'm sure this is what's you know the national and that's the behind the scenes the closed sessions the you know nobody hears nobody's supposed to repeat I mean there was more stuff divulged out of closed session which Harry of course claimed 
that he had, uh, uh, well, I got that information some other way. I have to, the, had it not been the skills, the talent, the knowledge, personality of Tom Brown, who was the attorney during the time Harry was on the board, there could have been multiple lawsuits. There could have been, you know, chaos. Uh, but it, between he and then city manager Pat Thompson, uh, there uh, that kept the the walls. I mean, you're going to stretch here a little bit, but then you know you're not going to go too far. Because bottom line, Harry wanted to be liked, Harry wanted to be loved, right. and so uh, and I, and so I would say to him, the first term we were there, I would say to him, look, Harry, you better back off of this because people are saying. You know, you're going to lose support here. So at the end of the first term, when he got reelected, he said to me, you weren't telling me the truth. The public likes the way I do business, so watch out. So, anyway. I mean, it was an interesting time. I mean, you agreed with him sometimes and disagreed with him other times. And, yeah. of course, if you disagreed with Harry, he was not... Uh, too shy about attacking anybody that disagreed with yeah. him. Yeah, and all of it, you know, as, as I know you've experienced in your career because you deal with tough issues, you know, uh, tough issues that you want to frame a certain way, but at the same time, you know, if you piss the person off, you're going to, you know, and that's the same thing I did with him. I found where the, you know, how much the ego feed that he needed. Right. And so, you know, give him that, and then he's willing to, you know, listen to a little more to, you know, to some of the other issues. But uh, the the probably <laughs> when Mary Solomon was killed, uh, I could see Harry's wheels turning of how he could become, you know, a temporary mayor. So I finessed all that in the back room before we ever got in. I mean, he... When we whipped through that and and uh, had you know Brad become mayor and then we appointed right. Jill, it was like he looked side to side and he looked at me and he said, "You did this, you know, you cut me out of this." <laughs> anyway, we there was there was some good times and and the important thing in in being able to work with him is treating him with respect. He was, I mean, you were working, your day job was here at the college, obviously, still during that time, and he was pretty tough on the college at various points, I mean, particularly in the paper. Yeah, he uh, he and Diane Carey, Woodruff did not, uh, uh, well, my theory with Harry and, and uh, striking women is that uh, he wanted to be be able to be a little flirtatious. He wanted to be able to be accepted as a as a a, uh, a, a man, mm-hmm. and his and uh, he didn't get that, and so that really uh, that's when he would take off and and just you know torment people. I mean, Diane is a good example. Heather Stanton is another. I mean, he mm-hmm. he just never let up on her. Uh, interesting, interesting guy. I uh, uh, when Harry, when Chris McCarthy came as president, uh, I said, "Look, the, 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 the let's see if we can diffuse some of this." So let me set up a time. We'll go to Harry's office and meet him there. Well, you were in oh, Harry's yeah. office. <laughs> I I didn't think Chris was going to be able to sit down. He was just. Yeah, it was like, oh my God, where do we go from here? But anyway, it was yeah, interesting. And then you know, he and I uh, uh, a lot of conversation about his daughter when she was having right. difficulties, and and uh, so you know, you you gave the guy some credit for uh, being a human being. And as far as he's concerned, his his issues were around the fact that his brother got the education. He got the money to go to college, became a college professor, and he, Harry, didn't get that. You know, I mean, he was doing a online uh, to become an attorney that he, you know, didn't ever get completed. But right. It was a, was a crazy time. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing is that he was always talking about misspenditure, you know, the expenditures from the city and how things were, uh, you know, 
not being handled well yet. And in closed session, he was always the one demanding, you know, we we give ourselves raises. What about this perk? I mean, right. first time the guy had a newer car, I'm sure, in his whole life. I mean, there, there were some amenities there. He did have an instinct, though, and you and I have talked about this before. He did have an instinct for local politics. He, he did. knew how to get people, more people in the race if need be, and he knew how to manipulate, and, and he did have a knack for that. He absolutely did, and that was that's how he finally got elected. There were enough people running right. that he could do that. And then the... Uh, uh, and so that he... You know, he used that technique a lot, but he also uh, was not above the ones, you know, trying to shorten, trying to make somebody the negative person right. to, you know, uh, you know, much like what just, there's some similarity to what just happened with an Napa College election. So, you know, anyway. We'll get to the college and <laughs> we'll work our way okay. up to that. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the college in terms of the changes. I mean, over 30 years, you've seen some remarkable changes there. Yeah, it's, um, I think for the area, I mean, for disabled students and dis other disadvantaged uh, uh, students, the, the law that came in in 73 uh, uh, that granted uh, accommodations to people with disabilities right. so they could go to school opened that door for that population the uh, you know the accusation of discrimination that was you know occurred as a result of an african-american basketball player trying to rent a room uh, in in Napa and being discriminated you know that opened up the whole that whole arena and so that that Ex, you know, brought about an openness and and uh, more um, a broader perspective, you know, for Napa College. Because let's face it, it's a transplanted uh, town, uh, southern town in the midst of uh, the you know the Bay Area, and uh, there. Uh, the increase in uh, Hispanic students and the interest in attracting those students in our community, uh -huh. uh, you know, of uh, 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 particularly Hispanic, that that's really you know broadened the institution you know a great deal. But the uh, some of the course change that we've done, some uh, some of the well. The, biggest contribution that we made to the disabled for the entire community was uh, providing education to the developmentally disabled at, at uh, Napa State Hospital who were brought over from Sonoma State Hospital and, you know, did not have to feed themselves, clothe themselves, but that program to where they, you know, they're all out in the community, you know, sometimes. So it's those sort of things that... Uh, that have helped to bring us to hey, where, you know, where do we go from here in terms of looking at other you know, programs and populations? We are we are not moving as fast in 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 keeping up with the technology as our K twelve systems. So hence that was the board that was the reason for the bond measure, and uh, so somehow somewhere along the line that's going to you know need to be addressed but the the issue of do we you remember um don name he was on the board of trustees uh at the end of george clark's era this may be before your time and then then uh Federson, uh came in there was he he sparked a had a ranch up the ranch up in uh, wild horse valley Anyway, um, he sparked a real interest in why can't Napa College become a four-year college, and and he's the one who sparked the uh, let's call ourselves a community college and not a junior college because junior college is different right. voice and implications. So we've you know we've hurdled a lot. Have we done a lot uh, to for those students that are coming in that aren't prepared for college? So you know those are the big strides we've made, but. 
it's interesting to look at the parallel tracks, and I mean, and you see it perhaps better than anyone because you've been on, on both sides of it, the way the city of Napa has changed and, and the progress, I would argue progress, I think there's yeah. some people who would disagree with us, but the, the dramatic changes in the city of Napa and the, the slower changes in some regards here at the college. Well, it hasn't been parallel tracks entirely. It, that's right, and part of that is the uh, you know, nothing against the. I'm not saying negative in terms of the uh, leadership at the college over the years, but the uh, in relation to connecting to the community. This is one of the strengths right now of of Ron Kraft, you know, this, the CEO, to get the vision to to be you know better connected and. Uh, there wasn't seen to, there wasn't a need seen i mean because you during the um during the 90s and uh the early 2000s there wasn't a relationship between our counselors at napa college and the high schools in mm-hmm. terms of, of students going to a to a community college i mean as opposed to straight to to a university uh it was like why would you, you know, do that? I mean, it's part, you know, but that, so that relationship is one of the things that's been strengthened, but we're we're still not there yet. I remember the first meeting of the film festival, the two people who came and went, I was at the, they, they spoke at one of uh, John and Dorothy's right. luncheons. And uh, I had taken Chris McCarthy with me to the luncheon and I said to him, we this is where we've got to jump in. I mean, we've got to step in and offer whatever we need to offer to be an off the ground with this. We didn't do it. Now look, um, it's so it's it's that sort of thing that uh, that makes a difference. The other is that <laughs> being being a former athlete, and I've I said this both to Diane. Carrie Woodruff and to Chris, and uh, I've said it to uh, to Ron as well. This community is more connected to the athletics success of Napa College than they are the music. Uh-huh. I mean, we do wonderful plays and concerts and that sort of thing, and uh, but it's the uh, uh, and and this is true of most university you know, colleges. You got a good football team, particularly, but right. uh, but the athletics. Uh, are more of a of a, draw, a drawing card if, if uh, there's success if it's if you've got success. The other aspect, and I see this with with around here sometimes, is that because so many of the people that work here don't live here in Napa, that that has an impact as well. Yeah, only about thirty percent of the faculty live here. Right, and the classified staff it's a little higher, you know, than that, but. Uh, yeah, we're definitely um, we're not a commute college, but we're definitely an off the main track, and it's it's the same thing we're running into with now not being able to com- have an, attract enough workers to come in for the hospitality industry. Right. The um, the te- faculty have always worked a circuit part time faculty, Sonoma, Solano, and Napa. But we're the they're, we're the more difficult to you know uh, to access, right. and that the other thing that that it makes a difference in is the connectedness. Uh, when the fa- when you know when your faculty and staff doesn't you know doesn't live, um, right? I mean, it, it it absolutely has an impact. I've done over the years some things with respect to Napa State, for example. And where I think the number of people that work there that live in the community is maybe 10%, if that. And I'm always surprised that I'll talk about things that are going on there, with the hospital, good things, bad things, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. It's it's another world because there is no interaction with people that have a connection there. Years ago, before they became a forensic, you know, and uh, people could get a day pass, we had a number coming over taking classes. Hospital didn't know; they didn't care as right. long as they, you know, kept whatever their schedule was. And then, um, uh, then we had a couple of <laughs> incidents that right. were 
uh, you know, difficult, and so they, they got that shut down. And then, of course, the change to forensics. But we've got, you know, we've got a captive audience, audience sitting over there that we're not doing anything with. And I've talked about this the last few years, but um, as far as you know, we need to jump into that arena. Now, who's you know, with, they've had some change in the other positions in the uh, department, the Office of Instruction knew you know, the vocational dean, uh, Diana Shabodi. So I'm hoping that somebody's going to see that we should, that you know, there's, there's uh, not just we could generate the FTES and enhance the revenue to the college, but a service. I mean, if we right. could, if somebody could, it's going to get out of there and could walk out with a degree. Uh, that has some marketable skills, you know, we've, we've returned the taxpayers' money. Twelve years you were on the board, correcting me from, from the eight that I was talking about before. I mean, you've seen a lot go on in that boardroom over 12 years. Yes, and, um, you know, one of the, when you go to conferences for trustees statewide, there's always specific uh, orientation meetings mm -hmm. for uh, uh, behavior, whatever, of, uh, of trustees. And in the last <clears throat> probably six to eight years, there's been a tremendous upsurge in what we refer to as rogue trustees, trustees who do not care about... Uh, working together as a team don't see this as a team effort and and so you know we you know right now we're experiencing that at napa college and since i'm no longer sitting there i i'm okay with saying that but uh this is happening across the across the state so when that happens uh ceos i mean the the the, the average t length of stay for ceo is two to three years is all now because of the dysfunction of, of uh, boards, and uh, and so this is these sessions that they do at conferences are trying to get boards individuals to see the importance of being able to work together on issues, and you you uh, you settle your differences so that it doesn't have negative impact uh, on the students, so that there there's the the idea is if you don't if you don't build tr trust trust that uh, that the board has in the staff and I'm not talking about just the president mm -hmm. he is our only employee but uh, things that you say at a board meeting and the way you present thing is you know delivers this message to staff and it may be just their perception uh, but for them it's a you know it, it, it's a reality in your opinion, what has caused the increase statewide, as you say, in the number of, of rogue trustees? Well, you know, in Southern California, uh, college boards are a jumping-off place to other posi political positions. Not so much in Northern California, but um, the the well. Let me just back up a minute. After I retired, uh, uh, I. I was approached to do an interim at some colleges while they were hiring another director for disabled students. And so the first time in my career, I was exposed to other campuses. I spent a, I spent uh, a semester in in uh, at Rio Hondo in Southern California was my first one, and that was an example of a board that there were two people who were using it for a jumping off place. A third who just wanted and needed attention. Uh, I mean, so that you know that those are the typical the, the jumping off uh -huh. place politically is is probably the most the most typical. The other is that so I went from there. I spent a year in Monterey, and. Uh, there, they had not. They didn't have districts. So, as you're well aware, Monterey has a poor side right. and, a, and an affluent side, and so all the trustees of the affluent side, state forced them to do districts, and so that's very much 
changed. But then you're 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 trying to blend uh, those that have some education background and those that have business background, and uh, you have to decide whether you want to work together or not. And that's probably doesn't matter where you go. That's probably the the primary thing. Do you have a Do you have a group that that wants to appear? Uh, in a in a group in a decision that's not unanimous is great, but at least consensus. Right. So, it, it's it's why boards are attracting more dissident you know people that are this have a, a revenge or a, you know an axe to grind so to speak, and we had that happen here with. A, a man whose daughter had been in the nursing program who lived in American Canyon, and that's why he got on the board because she something happened with her and he, it was it was revenge. Uh, so I mean, I, it's a it's a myriad, but it it's basically to do with uh, self interest as opposed to mm-hmm. wanting to do good. Right. And how do you see the situation here now? Well, um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, and I, you know, I, I don't think I've been uh, secretive in any way about that. The election of Amy Martinson has brought a, a level of, of um, anxiety to staff because the, the perception is that, that she doesn't trust anybody. A good example is is what just happened at the last board meeting in terms of looking at the financials uh, to the to the degree that that she does, uh, and and that questioning gives staff the perception all the way down from the first person who input the data into the computer to the head of the department that um, that she's watching, uh, and and that her interest is in finding. Uh, errors, finding uh, uh, expenditures that didn't happen. And my, my favorite story with that one is that the questioning several months ago about the, the amount of money spent on bullets and what was, you know, not not thinking through or this even asking. Yeah, for the right. police academy. So it's when you don't, when you, uh, you know, the, the, pol- the procedure pol- driven by policy is that the questions go to the president from the board, and uh, and then there you know you decide what you're going to do with it, uh, you know from there. But there, uh, Amy has a a perception of what the communities wants, and the community wants full transparency, uh, and does that you know for her that's as simple as the the bullets and uh, what they're used for, uh, and and as complex as the uh, wh- why uh, why are we offering these classes that don't generate as much as you know? And there's no trust that the vice president of instruction really knows what he's doing, and and and. Uh, Ron, Dr. Kraft would sit down with any board member and the and the head of the department to explain you know, procedure, uh-huh. but that's that's not what she's after. She's after. Uh, uh, I, I shouldn't say she's after trying wanting people to know that there's no trust, but what she's after is what she thinks is exposure. And so, rather than build on a positive image, uh, you just spin your wheels. And you you try to survive based on on you know what she's trying to expose. You know, I um, it's it's going to be an interesting time as we start out. I I am thrilled with Rosera uh, Segura's. Uh, you know, she's replacing me, mm-hmm. and she uh, she comes from a, a vested interest of her kids there, and and you know. She didn't even realize she got elected. She's the first Latina female to ever be elected to the board, uh, and yeah, it's going to be a steep learning curve in terms of the ac- learning the, the 
curriculum and all systems and all of that but she's interested in learning she's interested in being in supporting uh you know the programs and the staff uh that is not the that's not the energy that amy gives off and i certainly can't compliment the election of jennifer baker i i think that that this is going to add to the uh to the perception of, of uh, I'm here to expose you, uh, and again, just cr- increases the mistrust, uh, the perception of mistrust by uh, by the staff. Right. So, and does it have, in your view, I mean, and you've seen it for a long time, a deleterious effect on the institution itself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is such a feeling of uh, um, I just. I was out there to finish up some paperwork yesterday, and and so talking to somebody that's worked there a long time, who um, uh, who it, it's it, it was we were talking about this aspect because I was saying, look, this is I think what you can kind of expect one area we were talking about, and she said it it you know you come through the door in the morning and you don't know what's going to. Uh, hit you in the face because you know th- these questions that Amy uh, generates and uh, that you know uh, it, it appears Jennifer will follow suit with. Uh, so we've got a you know a dueling duo here. Uh, it it starts off your day with is my back covered, and and that's that sort of spread throughout the institution at uh, you know at this point but those that are on those staff that are unhappy about something they welcome uh, you know the negative uh, approach of uh, you know Amy and and, uh, and and Jennifer and you know the uh, Marianne you know is is the other the, the other being the other female and now with uh, Rosera it's going to be interesting to see whether they can whether they can bring some in, infuse some positive approach mm-hmm. and uh, uh, do you know if you were to ask me do I see hope that this could be a, a group that would uh, 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 you know work want to work together to some resolution of issues no I don't I don't see uh, I don't uh, I don't see uh, Amy, and I, I don't know Jennifer well enough. But my sense is that I, I don't see the one of them seeing themselves as, as uh, uh, you know, a cohesive board and mm-hmm. assuming any responsibility for uh, for trying to to come to some consensus and, and reach a point of uh, you know we need to do this you know, for for the staff. Uh, and it's very interesting to me too, because this is, I mean, Amy's career as a counselor with uh, students in an alternative, uh, you know, high school students in an alternative program, and yet, you know, told me to my face that it doesn't matter what anybody says, anybody thinks, I'm going to do what I think is right. So there's, when you have that kind of division, it's felt. You know, it's what what we refer to what they what the you know staff calls is a ripple down, mm-hmm. uh, and so then they begin to chew on each other down below, and it just uh, it, it sucks the energy, uh, and also it sucks your your juices that creative juices because you're too busy worrying about survival. Did that play a role in your decision to not run again, run for another term? No. It, no, it it absolutely had the other effect. I had already decided that I was not uh, I was not going to be sitting there when I was eighty. And how <laughs> if I had gotten if I had done it and got reelected, it would have been halfway through my term. And, and you know, I remember Tom Andrews when he, he looked at me and said, "I'm eighty years old. Why am I sitting here?" And it's just plus the fact that I, I think it's time for the next generation to step up. Uh, and you know they've got it. Should have well, the board of supervisors is a perfect the best example. example. Yeah, right. it really is, and the, it's the vision of the next generation. Unfortunately, you know our elections had have done that didn't do that for us. But 
uh, well, I mean, other than, the, I mean, I, I think with, you know, Rosera, that's, uh, but no, I, um, you know, when I retired, I never intended to run for the board. What happened was uh, Sandra Erickson, who's in my right. district, she decided not to run. And so I went, oh, you know, maybe I should just do that. And uh, I'm not sorry I did, and it's been a great, you know, great 12 years. But uh, a friend of mine who died uh, recently said to me, uh, uh you know what, you're not the only one that can do it. And with this fix-it mentality, you know, that that I have, I uh, I know that's true. Could I do it better? Maybe some things I could and some, you know, some not. But, um, so, you know, at some point you got to just turn around and walk away, you know. And then I look at Ginny Sims. I mean, Ginny is still fighting the fight and and uh, and you know I who I run onto uh, not too often is Margaret Ann Watson I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember her I mean she still uh, still uses her voice and is uh, you know and so you can do it uh, I I will continue to do it I'm I sit on the Napa County Commission on Aging the mm-hmm. Area Agency on Aging for Napa Solano uh, I sit on the Senior Center Advisory Committee and just have been invited to sit on the Rionda House uh, Senior Center Advice. So the senior issues are, are, you know, I've just transferred my advocacy. But I'm not, I I intend to show up at public comment uh, at Napa College, at college. just because uh, I want to be able to, to uh, support staff uh, you know, I'd like to to see this. Uh, what I ref- have called, you know, mistreatment or uh, more a a uh, uh, negative perception given to you know to, uh, to staff. I mean, we've got a great administrative team that Ron has now, and I mean Eric Shear, mm-hmm. who's been. Mm-hmm instructor for years and uh you know stepping into the vp of instruction the other two people in the office maria via gomez you know raised her homegrown i sat on her hiring committee years ago when we hired her to teach spanish and uh then diana shabodi who has been part of the uh you know been a strong voice you know with the faculty and, and they've got great ideas on how to bring new program to uh uh, for students that are going to result in some, you know, skill sets where there were their jobs and the recognition that we, you know, we need to be more closely connected to the to the community. The two things I wanted to learn to do when I was retired, one is play mahjong, which came quick and easy, and I play weekly, and. Uh, don't give that up for much of anything. The others learn to play bridge, and that's where I've gotten acquainted in St. Helena because that was the only place they were offering beginner beginners bridge I'd never played before. <laughs> so that's been uh, that's been a very positive experience getting acquainted with uh, the people that I have up you know up there and seeing. I mean, that's my been my district for twelve years, and I. Right. You know, wasn't as tuned to it. I mean, there's, there's, I think, potentially some very exciting things to use the Upper Valley Center for. There's some strong connections that Michelle Mano, who's the, you know, now the permanent director. Uh, there are some really good things that that could happen, but as long as uh, the board is dysfunctional and you know is so busy uh, trying to to figure out, you know, how to to be the positive voice, or not, shouldn't say figure out, but stand up and and uh, and uh, not accept the, you know, the negative perception that that uh, Amy has been projecting, and and will, you know, continue to project. You've been very generous with your time. Finally, I have to ask you, though, of all the jobs we've talked about, from the Planning Commission, the College, the Board, the City Council, what's been your favorite? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say my job uh, with disabled students here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've just seen such um, 
such change, such positive change in life. People, you know, making that, that difference. I mean, with the, the there is one experience with the city council that that I that probably was the most meaningful. But in terms of an overall length of time, it would have to be that. When nine eleven happened, the mayor was in D.C. Right, going to look for flood money. I was vice mayor, and. I have, you know, I I haven't had children, so you know, I didn't have this parental uh, feeling of, you know. But I tell you, I felt the parental for the whole community with that experience. I mean, it was, it it gave me such a feeling of uh, responsibility that there really wasn't anything you could do anything about, other than. Uh, communicate, you know, take, take the fear away, right. try to, to uh, you know, get people to see that, that things were, you know, when when it was, when city government was approached. So, but that, that then really does translate with my job, you know, at the college that just seeing lives enhanced because they could get services and, and uh, get into careers they never thought they could with their particular disabilities. So, well, I thank you so much for coming and talking to us about all of this. Well, I, I appreciate your the opportunity to just sort of reminisce a little reminisce bit. a little bit and and uh, put it in perspective. And as I said, you know, the uh, I will continue to show up at board meetings and make my public comment. I want to I want to uh, support the staff. They don't deserve to uh, you know to be walking around in in uh, uh, fear and hesitation, and you know, the other thing it causes is for good people, they just go looking for another job. Another job, right? And we don't want that either. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's been great. I always, uh, you know, we haven't always agreed over the years. We've had a good time uh, chewing it over, and especially eat. back in the city council, Larry Martin. Absolutely, so, so crazy yeah, days. yeah, and uh, you know, you are uh, the, the the two sides of you. You're such a hard ass, and in uh, when you got an issue that you think needs to be, you know, exposed and worked out, and then you're uh, you're very sensitive and compassionate when it comes to issues related to uh, pain and agony for for people. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming in, and thanks for reminiscing with us. Good. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com the online radio home of Napa Valley College.